Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Danger Beneath the Surface, written by John Snyderman. Sometimes man and nature are not compatible. Gene Woolworth had regularly visited his grandfather's remote Alaskan homestead since his childhood. Upon inheriting the property, it was a dream come true for him to live in the small log cabin and surrounding land that included twin mountains called Split Rock, a large pond, and the stream where he had often panned for gold. Unforeseeably, Jean's idyllic paradise is disrupted by a combination of strange and complicated geological events, some deadly. Will he be forced to leave his beloved retreat? fortunate to escape with his life? And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from Danger Beneath the Surface. Chapter 3 I set out my flexible solar panels on top of the front edge of the dog's shed, but kept them low enough to reach with my hands. In the event of lots of snow, I could easily pull them down, as there were only two of them anyway. It was just enough power for my laptop computer. The small laptop didn't require much power, and I certainly wasn't surfing the Internet or playing games on it. Out here, there weren't any Internet or cell phone connections. The sun was shining brightly, and it didn't take very long to get my laptop up to speed. I tossed a log into the fireplace and set up my lab on my only table. Just as I had started to sit, I heard the dogs becoming restless as they began with those low growls and ended with a bark or two. I listened to my dogs. They told me that I was about to have some company. By the sound of the dogs, it was a friendly visitor, at least to the dogs. Sure enough, over the crest of the hill came an eight-dog team pulling a piano-sized sled. I could see by the dog's breath that it was a very heavy load. I watched them a few minutes out of my window then grabbed my coat and boots. Amid the dog's barking, we managed to say hello as he glided that team of dogs and that gigantic sled to a smooth stop right in front of my porch stoop. The driver jumped off of the rear runners, immediately secured the dog sled, and then dragged out some food and water for all of the dogs. There was a particular order of things in this country. The dogs always came first. He stepped onto the stoop and stuck out his hand. Hi, I'm Dan, the local vet in these parts, and one of the best, I might add. He looked over my shoulder and let out a big whistle, then took two steps into the cabin. He went directly to my fireplace. My dad had one of these fireplaces in Fairbanks years ago. Yup, it's a Russian one, huh? I reached out my hand and introduced myself. Nice to meet you, Dan, the local vet. I'm Gene, the local geologist, Gene Woolworth, I said. Does Dan, the local vet, have a last name? I asked. Oh, sure. Sorry about that. Most people know who I am. It's Logan. Dan Logan. We talked several minutes. He had gone to vet school at Michigan State University. I told him that I had gone to his rival school right down the road at the University of Michigan for my geological training. That gave us more to talk about. The minutes grew into a couple of hours. Dr. Dan as he was known in Fairbanks and along the Iditarod routes, offered to check over my dogs at no charge this time around, and we went outside to the dog shed. As we went out the back door, 
He told me that he was hauling a 600-pound dead moose in his oversized sled. He was going to have to autopsy this animal back at his lab. It had died under some very unusual circumstances, and the State Conservation Department wanted to know why. It was routine, but heavy work nonetheless for both Dr. Dan and the dogs. Dan explained why that huge monster of an animal was in his sled. Sometimes the state will helicopter these guys over to me, but it was in such a remote area that they just dropped two guys down by ropes to help me get this beast loaded. Then they just popped right back up to the helicopter and left. So here I am on my way back. He reached inside his pocket and pulled out a stethoscope and a bunch of dog treats. These are the high-protein variety. It doesn't hurt the dogs to have one or two a week when they work extra hard. It makes them more friendly once in a while, too, he added, smiling. Dr. Dan spent a little more time examining my lead dog, Bruno. Say, Gene, this dog has a nasty sore and a big lump under his fur on his rear leg. I don't like the feel or the sight of it. I think that we should do a biopsy. Is that okay? He asked, somewhat worried. Sure, I answered quickly as I bent over to see that lump. I have a microscope and some dyes, I continued, but he waved me off. That's great, Dan replied, but I always carry that stuff too. We better give him a little shot first, though. This is not a good area. I watched closely as Dr. Dan put Bruno to sleep. Then we carried the dog inside the cabin and laid him on the heavy bearskin rug in front of the fireplace. I took my microscope out of its box and set up a clean place on the table. I used the power plug from my solar panels to power a tiny light under the bottom plate of the microscope. Dan had snipped some of the hair out of the way and proceeded with the biopsy. He took three samples from around and into the lump, then cleaned and bandaged the area. We prepared the slides for both of the microscopes and viewed each slide as he added the necessary dyes. Dan explained each slide. This was not good. Bruno had a cancerous tumor. It was a bit rare for a husky but was not unheard of. Dan dug out some medications from his bag of tricks and wrote down instructions for me to follow. Dan wanted me to bring Bruno into his office within the next two weeks for surgery to remove the entire lump. I boiled some water, and we cleaned up ourselves and the area. The dog should remain in the house for a few days. Change the dressing tomorrow. Hey, I'm glad that I met you, he said, as he threw his heavy coat back on. I answered, I'm glad that you stopped by. I'm sure that Bruno is, too. Thanks much, Dan. I watched his dogs strain to get that heavy load moving, and they soon disappeared over the hill. I looked at Bruno stretched out in front of the fireplace. A cancerous tumor is a big concern, whether it is a dog or a person. I know that Dan was truly concerned. It was hard for me to concentrate on my other work now. I took several long breaks. I chopped wood. I stared out of the window at nothing in particular. I went for a walk up and down the river. I just couldn't work with Bruno on my mind. I fed the other dogs as the sun was setting. I swear that the other dogs were thinking about where Bruno was. If they started talking about it, I was in deep trouble. I finally felt better and started working on my work-related stuff. I was typing notes in my computer when I found myself dropping down two lines and adding in the events of the day. I often did that as I remembered things. This time, it was a subconscious thing. I read back over what I had typed, and it gave me a bit of a chuckle. 
I had written about those high-protein dog treats. The laugh brought me back to reality. I deleted that stuff and continued with my geological stuff, still feeling as if I had been stabbed right in the stomach. I felt better when I saw the words in black and white in front of my eyes. Bruno was stirring. It didn't take him but a minute or two to realize that he shouldn't have tried to stretch out that leg. He was a little wobbly, but did manage to stand. He had that look in his eye. He had to go outside. I led him to the front door. I didn't want him talking to his buddies out back just yet. I think that he knew that, too. Bruno returned shortly, and very carefully and gently put himself down on that bearskin rug as close as he could get to the fireplace. It was strange behavior for a husky. I blamed his behavior strictly on the medications. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Danger Beneath the Surface. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.